Vernon, Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all. When you focus solely on indoor comfort for 43 years, well, you get really good at it. Get your heating or cooling system tuned by a Vernon specialist today for only $69. Vernon's 60 to 90 minutes of meticulous system inspection guarantees energy savings, or the tune-up is free. Now that's a value. Go to vernonheating.com. Vernonheating.com. Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. Henson Razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. This is an official download from TheCustardTV.com. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. I hope you are all well. We are now into uh, October, which means spooky season, uh, which means we've got a collection of spooky shows today. Dawn, is, are you feeling particularly spooky? Yes, I. well this time last week I was doing a, an escape room, uh, room 13, so that, that was um, spooky. And uh, it was for my mum's 81st birthday. Thankfully, we happened to have booked the room that was not the one where you climb through tunnels. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't say that on the website. <laughs> but yeah, we did that um, and that was very good and we did escape. Oh, good. You've been doing something spooky? Yes, I went to the spooky circus on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> there was a scene where the marshmallow man from Ghostbusters scared away Scooby-Doo and at the end they, uh, they did a big inflatable train and everyone did the time warp. So, <laughs> coming to a town near you soon. The best and the worst on the box. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. This is the Custard TV Podcast. We were meant to be joined by um, Michael Lee as well today, but unfortunately he's had a bit of a family emergency, so will not be joining us. But he has given us some feedback on the shows we're going to be discussing today. Those shows are the reboot of Frasier, the adaptation of Lessons in Chemistry on Apple TV+, and then two spooky shows, Mike Flanagan's The Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, that's his latest for Netflix. And Interview with the Vampire, the updated version of that, which was on AMC last year and is now uh, all on the uh, iPlayer and on BBC Two. Uh, but first, Dawn, we've not had you for two weeks, so what have you been watching? I have finished uh, Still Up that we watched for uh, the pod about, well, was it about a month ago, and it was okay. It wasn't the best thing I've ever seen. Um, when we reviewed it, I, you and I both said that we preferred the female character. But as it went on, I did, I did start to prefer the, the male character. But the thing that we talked about was how they know each other. Is that a, a big thing that's kept to the end? And it is. That's a big reveal in the final episode. And I didn't think it was worth the wait. <laughs> I also, in, in Spooky Season, I watched the entire final season of Ghost. Um, and it ended... Lovely, really, you know, the last season, I won't spoil what happens, but the last season is just 
still everything that ghosts always is, which is warm and ridiculously silly, but also has so much heart. I, you know, it's gone out on a high, I think, although we've, we've still got a Christmas episode mm. to go. I have watched the launch of Big Brother. We both watched it, didn't we? But I gave up halfway through. Did you yes. watch on? I haven't watched the eviction or anything like that, but I watched the first four episodes, I think. And I, I do feel it is more like the old Big Brother, you know, in terms of the housemates. But the tasks were feeling more like Big Brother as it became on Channel 5. So it's a bit like a a mix of the old and new. And I, I'm not loving the the tasks, the sort of focus on tasks. Just let them be. Mm. <laughs> and, well, and fight over shopping. That's how I felt on um, opening night that they decided to tape it the night before and edit it to... It felt like it's being edited for, like, the TikTok generation. I know that makes me sound like a granddad, but that's, like... It feels like (laughs) they recorded it and went, well, no one's got any level of attention span, so we have to just put this person in the house and then quickly cut to the next VT, and it just went on and on and on and on and on. It didn't work for me, really, and I was like... I've dipped in and out, but I hope it works. But I, I'm I'm not optimistic. They are doing a second series. They've already announced that. Um, keeping up with Boiling Point and Long Shadow. Uh, funnily enough, um, a friend of ours who hates TV pretty much, <laughs> he is enjoying the Long Shadow. He and his wife, he said it's beautifully made and was praising it. So I thought, well, that's high praise indeed because they pretty much don't like anything. <laughs> the TV news is that one of our favourites, After Party, has been cancelled. Mm. Um, and although I'm sad I can kind of see it makes sense because it would be hard to bring in more genres they pretty much covered everything Mm. in the first two seasons so I'm sad but I don't think it's a terrible decision How many more after parties can they go to where someone gets killed? (laughs) I mean all the murders in the building is stretching the (laughs) the Which I finished this week so there's there's one for me the finished Only Murders Really enjoyed it. I think the musical aspect really helps. Definitely. I'll be sad that there's no musical in the next season. No. <laughs> like, I mean, oh. I had which of the Pickwick triplets did it in my head for the longest time. <laughs> I want to learn it and perform it at parties <laughs> with my party. <laughs> Again, sceptical of them doing a fourth one now as well. It just feels like... yeah. That would have been the perfect end point for me anyway. Apart from sort of Charles's story being wrapped up, you know, Oliver had found love and Mabel had sort of found her sort of contentment in a way. I didn't feel like they really needed to give her a love interest in this. I agree. They didn't. Can she not be the Captain Kirk of this series and have a different, you know, a different uh, love interest all the time? It, It just seemed a bit perfect. You know, bring back, I've forgotten his name from the first series, or, mm. or uh, Oscar. Um, yes. Bring him back, because I didn't like the way they wrote him. I, that, that was the only love interest she's had, which sort of made sense, and, and they had a good chemistry, and it seemed believable. So bring him back. Yeah, because this guy just seemed like generic hunk number five, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> what about Race Across the World? Are you... I am caught up on Race Across the World, loving it. Can I just say there's a whole lot of vomiting in this year's show. <laughs> Please stop with that. Surprising, I think, 
that Harry and his mother are doing so well because in the first episode I thought, oh, they're just going to be last all the time and but they've you know really pulled ahead. They seem to be working well together, although he's constantly going, yeah. Mum, do this, Mum, do that. Um, I, I fear that she won't make it to the end, though. <laughs> he's really working her hard. <laughs> she may just go, I've had enough. Yeah, yeah. One more thing I'd just like to say, uh, Portrait Artist of the Year, because my friend was on it this week. My friend oh, Melissa oh, was one thanks. of the contestants. She uses uh, pastels um, to draw, oh. and uh, Fleur East was her sitter. She did well, but she didn't. I mean, there's only one person out of nine that progresses to the next stage, so she didn't get through. And the other celebrity sitters were Richard Curtis and his partner, Emma Freud, so I think she got the best of the three <laughs> to draw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those shows that I never remember to watch, mm. but if I do watch it, I always really enjoy it. She did well, and hopefully this will get her artwork out there more. Melissa Speed Artist on Facebook, if you'd like to. A little shout-out for her there. I don't know if that'll make the edit, but there you go. So, yeah, quick uh, plugs, Dawn. Uh, plug away your, your new podcast, your old podcast, any other podcast that you might have joined <laughs> in the last two weeks. Well, you know what? The funny thing is, I might have actually Oh, done that. God, no. <laughs> I've become addicted. I'm collecting them like Pokemon. Uh, my current podcast is the Daryl Dixon podcast, which is part of Cyborg Queen Media on YouTube. Uh, we're covering the Daryl Dixon spinoff. Season one ends today in the US. And you can find that on YouTube and your regular platforms for podcasts at the Daryl Dixon podcast. Uh, yeah, we are the Custard TV podcast. We are on all your uh, podcast apps of choice. Episodes going back to uh, 2011. Recent one where we looked back at the shows this week of uh, 1998. Uh, we're hoping to do another one of those. If you've got any feedback on that one, we'd love to hear from you. Also, uh, recent reviews on the website. Erin has written about the aforementioned celebrity race across the world. Uh, Luke has uh, written a review of the Frasier reboot, which we will talk about in a moment. And we have a new writer as well, uh, Laura Bourne, who has written um, about The Reckoning. It's the Custard TV podcast. First up this week, we have got uh, the aforementioned Frasier reboot. I think 19 years since Frasier was last with us, Dr. Frasier Crane. Yep. Kelsey Grammer's sort of iconic psychiatrist. We first met back in early days of Cheers. And he has now returned to Boston, the, the site of Cheers. He has just arrived in Boston after attending uh, Martin's funeral, his dad. He is there with uh, his nephew, David, the son of Niles and Daphne, who was born in the final episode of Frasier. He is in uh, Boston just for a quick layover before going to was it Paris I think he was on his way to and to do a guest lecture for his old friend um, Alan Cornwall who is played by Nicholas Lindhurst Uh, (laughs) something you thought you'd never see but there you go and he's also hoping to catch up with his son uh, Freddie who was a recurring character in the original show Freddie didn't attend Martin's funeral and part of the reason Frasier wants to see Freddie is to find out why he didn't 
when he goes to see Freddy, he surprises him and he uh, is introduced to um, a lady called Eve, who we believe is his girlfriend. There's an insinuation throughout the relationship sort of changes. We think that maybe he's gay at one point and then we think, like, has he fathered a baby with Eve? But the the reveal at the end is that Eve is the girlfriend of one of his late colleagues. He works as a firefighter and he took them in when his friend died. His last sort of heart to heart was with Martin, who came to see him just after this uh, this colleague died. Frasier is also being sort of scouted to join the uh, psychology department at Harvard by Olivia, who's the head of the department. And the first episode essentially ends with Frasier deciding to stay in Boston to rebuild his relationship with Freddie. He basically buys the entire building where (laughs) Freddie's flat is. basically says I've bought this apartment opposite the hallway from yours you move in with me and Eve can live rent free which is sort of the bargain they make and the episode is called The Good Father which echoes the first episode of the original Frasier which was The Good Son. Dawn how big was your fandom of of Frasier back in the day and what did you what did you think to the reboot? I would say I was a fairly big fan. I'm not, it wasn't one of the ones I've been obsessed with, but I, I have seen all of Frasier and I really loved it. It was, you know, appointment television back in the day. And I was dreading <laughs> watching this to see, because um, it just sounded so awful. And <laughs> the terrible, damning with faint praise, but it wasn't bad as I expected it to be. There are elements of it that are still Frasier, you know, they, they have, the chapter headings that come up the black screen with the the font describing each um, act. And there are elements of it. There was a a scene where uh, Evan and Freddie are bringing the baby into the house without Frasier seeing. And it had that farcical element. And, you know, uh, Alan Cornwell and the women from the university were in the the kitchen. And it was, it it really had that little hint of the, the farce that Frasier was just so good at. But <laughs> it's like they've taken Frasier and mixed it with a really generic American sitcom. And it, it mashed the two together. What I, the only thing I can think of to, to compare it to is when a show like Frasier goes on for a long, long time, or like, <coughs> excuse me, like Friends, and it becomes really watered down towards the end, and it's a shadow of its former self. And that's what this feels like. Oddly enough, I thought the best thing in it was Nicholas Lindhurst. <laughs> I really enjoyed his character. I liked his lines. He got a lot of the best lines. And I liked the persona they'd created for him, which is this academic who could not care less about his students. Yeah. Or <laughs> I really like that. And he just wants to have a drink and, um, you know, have an easy life and I think it's maybe in the second episode that he says about, um, he says, now you see, that's why I didn't have children. And Frasier says, you've got four. And he says, well, you know what I mean. Which <laughs> 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 I really, I love that. I mean, I did laugh out loud a couple of times, I have to say. I really laughed uh, when, when Frasier revealed that he bought the apartment building. Mm. And he said, hi, when he went, money, Freddie, lots and lots of money. <laughs> I think it's one I would watch, but not, uh, appointment watching we like to call it the, the tea time watch don't we the tea, tea you know 
T-show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what Frasier was, but nor is it as bad as something like How I Met Your Father, which was mm. awful. <laughs> which has been cancelled, so now we'll never yeah. know how she met the father. Pretty proves we were right. <laughs> as you said, this, this just seemed like a really bad idea, and I think it has a struggle to meet expectations you know, anything other than sort of perfect, I think people would have been dismissive of because everyone took against the idea of rebooting Frasier, you know, why meddle with the classic? I think as well, the traditional sitcom has more or less died by yeah. this point. I think when you first hear the studio audience whooping as um, Kelsey Grammer comes through the airport, I was like, oh, God. And... <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about, like, that audience laughter now. It, it just, it feels archaic, even though, I mean, Luke's, you know, written a really good review and he points out something like Not Going Out, which is like the BBC yeah. sort of one of their hit sitcoms and it's coming up to its 100th episode. But yeah, unlike you, Dawn, I don't think I laughed once at this. Um, <laughs> I think the character of David feels like, you know, it's, well, I don't think we needed him because we have got, you know, Nicholas Linterst in that Niles role. I don't know how, where he adds in. I don't know. Maybe Nick Linterst's character is more the Roz, possibly, because he's a colleague. Yeah. Maybe David's there to sort of be somebody for Freddie to pair up with. I don't know. I, I lied. There was one joke about Martin's funeral and Bulldog singing Ave Maria that got me laughing. But that that was very much if you know you know sort of joke and would not appeal to anyone who was watching you know did had no idea who Bulldog was. I only watched the first one and it is hard to judge from the first episode. But again, I would go back to Luke's review and he wasn't impressed with it. I just don't feel the chemistry there between any of the actors re- really, apart from possibly Kelsey Grammer and Nicholas Linters. You know. All these characters are single, you know, that the odd relationship between Eve and Freddie. And I feel like I saw most of it in the trailer. I feel like I knew what was happening early on, apart from the, the reveal of the baby. I think everything else you pretty much knew yeah. uh, from that trailer. It's one of those where I'm like, what's the point? You may as well just dig out your old DVDs, Dawn, if you wanted a T-show. <laughs> just watch Frasier. <laughs> Actual yeah. Frasier, not this. This pale imitation. Let's see what Michael said. I watched this every Friday night in my teens. Either was at a friend's or he was at mine. And we had Channel 4 Friday Night Comedy. Look it up, folks. Ask your parents. It was, <laughs> it was Frasier Friends and a like a British comedy, wasn't it? Like Father Ted was in there. Yeah. I think Green Wing was in there. Maybe Black Books. I think Smack the Pony might have been in there as well. He said, we look forward to Frasier. It was just 22 minutes of television a week. But time moves on, streaming exists, people binge watch things. So a near 20-year wait is quite the distance between seasons. Who is this for? Why does it exist? After the opening episode, I'm not convinced about answering any of these questions. Definition, going back to Boston is a step back. Niles and Martin are replaced by inferior substitutes. The dialogue not as knowingly superior. The quips fall short from the usual high standards. It's perfectly watchable, but so are many things. Frasier, it's as at its best, demanded concentration in case you miss some blinding wordplay. The 2023 instalment demands you to be passive and just about distractive enough to keep it switched on. It is a big thing to come back after such a gap, and it might just be growing old. 
pains that a bit of medication and more writers can help. Basically what we both said, Michael, in a nutshell. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that at the moment is up on Paramount <laughs> Plus if you'd like to see it. And now we move on to uh, Lessons in Chemistry. Uh, this is a adaptation of, is it Bonnie Gameis? Is that how I say her name? Gameis? Garmus. <laughs> Bonnie Garmus, there we go, who's the author um, of the novel. It stars Brie Larson and uh, Dawn has watched, I think, the th- first three episodes. Yes. I've watched, um, two, I've watched two and a half. I think the first oh. two are the first two are available to watch now, but uh, Dawn will just go through the basic building blocks of this one for us. If you've seen the trailer, and I had, it seemed like it was going to be very much like uh, Julia, the show about Julia Child and her making a TV show. There's is the same era, sixties America. It has a TV show in it, and I thought, oh, okay. So, and that's where we start the program. We see Elizabeth Dot arriving for her TV show. There's hordes of women waiting outside. She's obviously hugely popular. And it's a cooking show like Julia Child's, but she mixes cooking and science because uh, Elizabeth Dot is a chemist. Uh, flashback seven years earlier, Luke Special, um, <laughs> where we discover Elizabeth is a lab tech in uh, Hastings Research Institute. Uh, because she's a woman, she's treated terribly. No, nobody takes her seriously, despite the fact that she has a master's in, in chemistry. She works in a lab setting things up, putting out the uh, lab coats and washing up, basically, after the other chemists. At least one takes her seriously and asks for her help, but the rest, uh, you know, ask her to make cups of coffee. It's clear that she uh, is desperate to do more than she's been given and when everybody goes home at night she stays at home to do her own stays in the lab to do her own research um, and one day she is short of a chemical so she goes to the uh, room of Calvin Evans a renowned chemist who they believe is going to be the next Nobel Prize winner and he's going to make lots of money from something called the Resmond Grant which the institute is desperate to get. And um, she takes uh, a chemical from his lab, thinking nobody would notice. He discovers it and is furious, goes to see the uh, head of HR. That's not what they would have called then, but she's just a head secretary at that point, who then gives uh, Elizabeth severe telling off and tells her either you are fired or you take place in the Miss Hastings pageant which they are currently running and Elizabeth had already turned down performing in but uh, she has no choice so she has to take part Evans confronts Elizabeth and she explains to him why she'd taken this medication that she has a master's she could have had a PhD but she dropped out he doesn't believe any of that he thinks she's just a secretary However, when he discovers the truth that everything she said is, is exactly as it is, um, he decides he has to make it up to her. Calvin Evans is a very insular man who lives a very solo life. We see him rowing and running before people knew what running was. And he lives in a black neighbourhood where he's very good friends with uh, one of his neighbours, Harriet. She is married to a man who is a, was a, is a surgeon, but he is currently away in the Korean War. She 
has two children and she's trying desperately to fight uh, a company who want to develop the land in this neighbourhood. They think because it's a, a black neighbourhood, they'll be able to just bulldoze through it quite literally and there'll be no comeback. But she has uh, a, running a campaign to stand up against them and she needs Evan's help because he is a white man. They'll listen to him when they wouldn't listen to her and the other black residents. Evans goes to the Miss Hastings pageant where Elizabeth is very, very reluctantly taking part. He is allergic to many things and something that uh, upsets him there and he accidentally uh, vomits on onto Elizabeth. So he's in a terrible state, so she offers to take him home. She sees his solo life that he only owns one fork and has no food in the house. She loves cooking, so she she starts cooking lunch that he will eat every day at, at the lab. They start meeting at lunchtime. He eventually realises her genius and says, why don't you come and work with me? I will share credit with everything. We'll tell people you're the lab tech because that's the only way that Hastings will let her work with him. But I will give you credit for everything. However, he doesn't appreciate that the reason she had dropped out of her PhD was she was sexually assaulted by her mentor who had closed the door and then assaulted her. And when Evans closes the door and doesn't realise why Elizabeth wants to keep it open, um, she panics and, and runs out. And then we flash back to the, the seven years again to show her on the TV show where she has unfortunately burnt the food she's cooking and she talks to the audience about the fact that you can't control everything and sometimes things just get messy. Inevitably, the next episode um, focuses on the uh, Evans and Elizabeth falling in love. Now, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you what I told Matt when he said we're, we're watching this. And I said, um, I watched the first two episodes and thought, well, this is OK. I didn't love it, um, but I thought I'll keep watching it. And then episode three did something completely different, which made me go, what? We can spoil what happens at the end of episode two, I think, because... <laughs> What's happen- what happens at the end of episode two, Dawn? Elizabeth adopts a dog and unfortunately, whilst out jogging with the dog, Evans is run over and dies, whilst Elizabeth discovers she is pregnant with his child. And I think we can allude to the fact that I think Dawn's issue may be who leads the narration in the third episode, is yeah. that sort of... <laughs> That's entirely it, yes. Yeah, OK, but we can't reveal that, unfortunately, because... Unlike they normally do, Apple have only released the first two episodes. Yeah, they normally do three and then yeah. one. But well, they, yeah. they they want, obviously, people to build up to uh, the big reveal <laughs> in episode three. Before you saw the third episode, Dawn, if you'd only watched one and two, what would your thoughts have been? I, I wanted to love it more than I did. I think it's very difficult to become emotionally attached to these two people because Elizabeth uh, appears to be neurodivergent coded. She's very serious, very self-contained, doesn't show much emotion. We never really see her smile or become emotional. Did you think part of that is because she was sexually assaulted? Because actually when you saw her in that flashback, she was smiley. She was. I, I got a thing that she almost had a form of PTSD and had lost any emotion she had after she became quite here in key west we were out before it was in in this open and inclusive paradise you can be yourself make new friends and savor our live and let live vibe 
with LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Reserved and wasn't willing to trust anyone because of what had happened. Yeah. Just because in that flashback, she is quite positive. She is quite smiley. She's different from whenever else we saw her in the episode. Whereas I think him... I think this is what you're about to say. I felt he was more the neurodivergent one. Yes, he has. He likes things to be a certain way. I think it did improve when they were together. But as I say, I could see it coming. I could see. It. I haven't. I had never read the the book or had any idea what the plot was. But I could see his death coming. Sadly, I wanted to get to the point where she's got the TV show and. You know, the, the things that are in the trailer, which means she has a, a you know, a child and she has a, a close friendship with the, the neighbour, Harriet, and she has a friendship with the woman from Hastings, which at this point doesn't exist. And I wanted to get to that point and I just felt it was taking too slow to get me to all the relationships I wanted to see. I would have preferred Evans to be killed off in the first episode, <laughs> um, just so we could move into that stage of her life quicker. It's like um, that Tom Holland thing, isn't it, that we watched where it took yeah. like six episodes to find out that he, all yeah, these people were it. in his head. That's exactly it. And and I think it might be really good once it gets to that point and she's a warmer person and is more expressive. And even though I understood why she was that, it just makes it very hard when that is the, the central character to make that emotional connection to her. So it is one of those ones where flashbacks might have worked better because you know if it had just mm. been given us a little bit Be- between the cooking show and because it, we got it, that it. and it's like stay there we'll get back to here eventually <laughs> we promise you know this yeah. is the classic luke special the next show we'll talk about had back and forth but i suppose that would be your more ideal would it the way that the yeah the fall of the house of usher yeah. does it yeah um I mean, I can't add much to that, really, because that is exactly how I felt. I just couldn't get into these characters. You knew, sort of, she'd been assaulted, but they had to sort of show you the gritty detail. Their sort of burgeoning feelings. It was nice to see, but it was like, these people are quite standoffish. You don't have that sort of audience proxy straight away. As you say, you've got, like, Harriet, who's an interesting character. I would have liked to spend more time with her, to be honest. Her story is definitely the most intriguing and, again, looks at sort of the racial politics and how that side of society was not taken seriously at all. I suppose it sort of goes in with Elizabeth not being taken seriously in the world of science. She's just a lab technician, even though she's got a master's. I mean, I know it was a very popular book, so I wonder if fans of the book will find, you know, will fluctuate towards yeah. this. But 
if you haven't got a prior relationship with the source material that neither of us have got, it just felt a bit something and nothing, really, I felt. I felt like I was... If you hadn't have asked me to sort of go on to the end of sort of episode three, which I didn't do, but I sort of got why you wanted me to watch it, that I probably would have, after episode one, just given up with it, or at least given episode two maybe a little bit, but it was it was just very samey. And, and like yeah. you, I, I wanted to get to the cooking show because that seemed like the point of it, really, and it was too far away. Yeah. Meanwhile, Michael says, considering the subject matter, episode one feels very formulaic hey, well done, hang on hang on hang on and there's a slow burn oh. <laughs> having said that the parts that would make me come back are the battle in the face of sexism and the chemistry between the two hey. but that's interesting if you thought that the relationship between the two characters was what would keep them going and yeah. that yeah, obviously the- didn't watch past episode one <laughs> I agree with that and that is actually something that sort of takes it out of you and then plus I don't know if that is just an episode three thing yes either I I was thinking about going on to watch just to see if it's only episode three I think we might have made people want to watch episode three now just to see how bizarre (laughs) the decision that they make is maybe we'll mention it next week (laughs) yeah I think that's possibly in the book so um from what I, I read the synopsis of the book so I think that perhaps but if they'd started the entire season with that narration that would have made more sense to me mm. and sort of told it in flashback that would have worked yeah. but oh. as I said lessons in chemistry first two episodes are there now um on apple tv plus and then it is one episode per week uh we now move on to the spooky side of things uh, this is the fall of the house usher now it's created by mike flanagan who previously did the haunting of hill house was it haunting of bly manor yeah bly manor, and then yeah. midnight mass i think that's all of his isn't it um and this is very loosely based on the short story of the same name by edgar Allan poe i was trying to describe this uh, to the person i went to the circus with uh, on Friday night, and I basically described it as spooky succession. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I <you> said. <laughs> so the Usher family, they run a pharmaceutical company. They, again, there's some similar similarities with the Pardew Pharma, the Oxycontin stuff. I think that's yeah. meant to be in there as well. You know, Flanagan sort of just going, I'll take a bit of succession, I'll take a bit of dope sick. We'll do painkiller. We'll just do all of this together. Uh, Bruce Greenwood playing Roderick Usher. Mary McDonnell playing his twin sister, Madeline. We start at the funeral of three of the Usher children. We uh, learn that all of Roderick's children have died in a very close period. He's there with his granddaughter and he sees a figure up on the... I don't know, the top of the church. I'm not quite sure <laughs> what you would call that. The thread throughout is that the family is being investigated by the government, by US attorney Auguste Dupont, who is summoned to Roderick's childhood home, where he promises that he will confess to all of his crimes. And to do this, he goes right back to the start we see uh, the Usher twins um, as children. 
and then there's teenagers uh, living with their very um, devoutly religious mother. We see that their mother Eliza died in 1962. There's the suggestion that her former employer, William Longfellow, who was the CEO of the company at the time, uh, Fortunato, is their biological father. But she says, don't ever go to his house. We're not allowed there. They go there as children. And then as um, their mother is dying and refuses any medical help, they go to him to say, can you convince her to go to the doctor? He turns them away. She then dies and they bury her in the garden. Then she comes back to life and kills Longfellow. In the present, we see that the case against the family uh, by the US Attorney's Office, there is an informant from within the family. So the family are all gathered together for a meal with their respective partners. We meet them all very much in passing. As I said, it's sort of like the Roy siblings to an extent. They're all quite quirky, messed up, have got interesting relationships with their partners. And they all meet at uh, dinner with the twins and with Mark Hamill's lawyer, Mr. Pym. And they basically have all drawn up contracts to say that they will try and root out the bad apple and whoever finds them will get $50 million to rat out one of their own. And then we also get this sort of flashback to 1980 where the siblings are at New Year's and meet a mysterious figure uh, played by uh, Carla Gugino, who everything sort of threads around that character and that's sort of, have I missed anything out there, Dawn? I think that's everything. Yep. You've got yep. You, yeah. How many of these did you watch? Because I only watched the first one. Two. Give us your opinion to that. I mean, this is my first sort of experience of the Mike Flanagan show. So, Have you watched any before? No, I'm exactly the same position yeah. as you. I've never watched any of them before. I'm not particularly a horror fan. I'm not, not yeah. a horror fan, if you know what I mean. This This would be the kind of horror I like most, which is, a sort of more of a suspense and a gothic spooky horror rather gothic horror thank you yeah. very much yes <laughs> when, when it starts and you see the um board of the the attorney where he has all the the photographs and all the deaths and the cause of death and i thought it is a really confident writer who opens the thing saying this is when each of these characters dies and how they dies but you're still going to watch he obviously he knows what he's doing and he knows he d- knows what he's doing it's a bit sort of um, final destination-y till you see, okay, how are they going to end up in this position that, that they die? And I'm assuming from the way that the second episode goes that it's one child dies per episode and, and the, their story. The first one is Prospero, the, the youngest one. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought if if this is the, the kind of stuff Mike Flanagan does, I definitely think I would watch more. It's very witty. There's a lot of knowing nods when we see them in the past and Madeline is a, a genius and she's interested in computers and she she ends up talking about AI and saying hey you know they'll be able to write tv and film <laughs> which I thought was very good right, so I liked the humor in it the, the fact that one of the children his um spouse is basically a, a is it cake contestant yeah and she does a, I like that she does a book and a, and a coffee cup and brings it and she's oh your father loves it 
I don't know if he really loves it or that's just her idea. But I, I definitely got a succession vice. Tamalyn, the daughter, is shiv all over. She's very, very shiv-like. And her relationship with her husband was very reminded me so much of Shiv and Tom. And I, I'm assuming that's a deliberate kind of nod, because she has red hair as well, a nod to succession rather than a, you know anything negative. And the cast is all extraordinary names that are known. He does work with a lot of the same people again and again, including his wife, who plays Camille, who is the one who seems to be most hands-on in the company and Henry Thomas uh, I thought it was very interesting he was like a cross between Kendall and Roman <laughs> inept and but eager to please and um mm. he's the one whose wife makes cakes this the spooky part of it I, I enjoyed as well the whole thing where Roderick and Dupin are sitting in this the the house and when when Roderick tells him the story of his mother and he says, why are you telling me this? And he says, because she's behind you. And he's like, oh, I know that's just a ploy that people use. And, and we actually do just something that just looks like the background move. And then in the second episode with Pro- Prospero, the same thing again, there's a whole sequence where you see him standing in the background, which is very spooky. I, I haven't seen huge jump scares. I think there was one I saw but this is very character-driven horror, and I think that's definitely my taste. Um, and it's obviously done so well. Mike Flanagan obviously has honed his craft over however many season series of he's had um, that he's just can do this, you know, in his sleep. And I, I have seen um, Amy, who writes for the site, is a huge fan of his work, and she said this was up there as her favourite series. I watched this a few days ago and I the first of all four shows and I'm struggling now, I think, because maybe there's so much I've watched since. I think maybe I should watch on because there were so many characters to introduce, as you said, and I'd forgotten about that. The is it cake thing, for example, and I remember actually finding that really funny at the time because there's... Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Is that cake, just like sarcastically, the siblings are sitting there going, it's cake again isn't it and then they'll clap like uh... yeah and it's interesting casting that you've both got both Henry Thomas and Mark Hamill in this as well and half the cast of the X-Files as well I had to say Annabeth uh, Gish played their their parent Nicholas Lee who's Crycheck is the judge and there was quite a few X-Files alum as well apparently Mike Flanagan was an X-Files fan so that makes sense you know it flicked around from period to period so it was a bit disorientating but I'd be interested to watch at least one more just to see, as you said, the structure. If they focus on one child at a time, then it might, you know, and it is that mystery there of what actually happened. I thought Carl Lumbly as the uh, as Dupont, I think, was a good opposite to the quite extravagant family. You know, he obviously has been fighting the ushers for most of his life to try and expose them. Those sort of head-to-heads between those two as he's doing his confession, were probably some of the best scenes for me. Obviously, as well, the 
the granddaughter, I feel like, may be sort of a more important character. Lenore, isn't it? Who who I think has got that relationship with her grandfather and is one of the only ushers left now. I think it was a good maybe entry point into the Mike Flanagan verse. I don't know if you would call it that, but he certainly made a name for himself with these sort of spooky Netflix shows. Really, I mean, the production design as well is fantastic. You know, the the gothic architecture, the big gated houses where the evil entrepreneurs live. It was good. Not a massive horror fan. But I think even if you're not a horror fan, there's bits in here that I think will work for you. And as you say, it's very witty, good cast. And if you're look, I suppose if you're looking for something to watch over sort of Halloweeny time, then this is the perfect thing, I think. And as I say, it's all there now on Netflix. And the other spooky thing is uh, Interview with the Vampire. This is a a new interpretation on um, Anne Rice's uh, novel. Uh, Most famously, was adapted into a film in 93, I think, with Tom Cruise, uh, Brad Pitt and Christian Slater and Kirsten Dunst. It is all on the iPlayer now, playing on BBC Two on Thursday nights. Um, Dawn will run us through the plot. How many did you watch, Dawn? Two. I've I've been very seen. (laughs) (laughs) Similar to The House of Usher, it has this central framing of uh, an interview, obviously, given the title, with a vampire for Luna. Um, the two characters, one recounting his life to the other. Daniel Malloy is the journalist who has previously had an encounter with uh, Louis Dulac, who is a vampire. And 40 years ago, they'd had an encounter where he'd interviewed him and it had gone wrong for reasons which are not entirely clear. But Louis got in touch saying, no, let's try again. So he flies Daniel Malloy out to Dubai, where he lives in one of those very ter- long, tall towers. I can't remember the name of. And uh, Daniel begins recording all of Louis' confessions for how he became a vampire and his the life that he's led. So we're taken back to 1910, New Orleans. Louis is a black Creole man. His family are very wealthy. His father has died, leaving him in charge of the businesses. And that is eight properties, which are whorehouses. <laughs> sports houses, as they Brothels. call them. Brothels. That's the word. That's the correct <laughs> word. But they, they call them sport houses. And obviously gambling goes on as well as, as brotheling. There's one building which is competition with him. But he goes there regularly to see the ladies there to cover up the fact that he is gay. He has a, a younger brother who is into religion but also has severe mental health problems. He's been in a home and is out again um, and he comes to the places of, of that the, his family own to, to preach and make everybody turn from their, their sinful ways. Um, one day that Louis confronts his brother the vampire Lestat happens to be watching on and is impressed by Louis so when next time Louis goes to the, the house to see his regular girl, Lily, Lestat has taken command of Lily. He's using his um, vampire skills and he starts putting thoughts into Louis's brain, which Louis doesn't understand. And then they ha- and he's trying to impress Louis, who at first is not impressed and wants to keep him at a distance. But when they play a game of poker, 
and Lestat slows time down so that Louis wins and talks to him about how disgraceful it is that people treat him badly because of, of the colour of his skin and he's horrified by it. At home, uh, Louis' family, his sister is having a very lavish wedding. Her, their mother's planning that. In the build-up to that, he starts befriending Lestat. They spend a lot of time together. The cover story is that Lestat is going to go into business with him. His mother takes an instant dislike to him. And his brother questions Lestat about his relationship with God, which causes Lestat to go on a, a rant about God, giving away some of his um, persona. So Louis and Lestat become lovers, but Lestat will only takes a small amount of blood at a time and doesn't reveal his full nature as a vampire. It's like a drug and, and Louis lost in it. At his sister's wedding, everything goes well until night after Paul, Louis' brother, and, and Louis are sitting on the roof enjoying the sunrise when Paul takes his own life by jumping from the roof. Louis is so distraught, and Lestat uses that to gain more power over him, even though he has been scared by the power that Lestat has over him. Um, and he goes to church to confess his sins and confess everything that he's been doing. But Lestat comes in, kills the priest, and offers Louis a lifeline and says, join me in the dark darkness. And he indeed turns him into a vampire. And the rest is then their relationship. Uh, that's where the first episode ends. But as we, we go through, we discover the relationship through time and the family that they meet which is, is well known in the story because of the film that they, they involved a, a teenage girl. Um, they've aged her up for this. Mm. But I thought it was interesting that they took this into a different era. And so there's a lot more about racial inequality, about racism from you know the Americas rather than in, in Europe. And, and the homosexual nature was much more overt than it was obviously in the film, which was very coy on that i have to say i've i've not seen the film so this this is very much my introduction i i know the sort of the basic plot points of brad pitt and tom cruise's characters and the and the kirsten dunce character but this was Anne rice uh, i think before she died had sort of signed off on this and her son christopher is one of the executive producers so the family are working with the creators of this i wasn't super excited to watch this but actually it really captivated me and i i quite enjoyed it i think as you said the inclusion of a black central character looking at those issues of race you know the recreation of turn of the century new orleans i thought was excellent he's a character who is semi-respected because he's a business owner but he will always have people looking down on him because of his race and, you know, there's that in the back of his mind, which Lestat, when he comes into it, plays on to the extent that he's intrigued by him. They form this relationship and he turns him into the vampire at the end. It's Jacob Anderson is the actor. I thought he was excellent. I know him from Game of Thrones, I think. And I thought he was excellent, captivating in the in these early scenes, really making you feel for Louis and all the things that are going on for him. And then his character in the modern day interview scenes as well, almost like reserved, but really got that sort of intelligence about him. I also thought Eric Gossian, Bogosian, who's the actor who plays Malloy, I think was in succession as, was he the 
guy that Shiv was working for. Yeah. Oh, he was I, really personable. He was believable, and we we sort of started with his sort of. It was like advertising his like masterclass or something like that. One of those. Yeah. It did centre you very much in the present day because you would have like a maverick journalist he's presented as as like someone who's now pimping himself out from a class <laughs> online master classes. But he's brought like a, an authentic tone to those scenes and he's got a really good voice as well, I thought, to just remind you that this is the interview over the sort of the scenes from 1910. I thought that worked really well. The production design was fantastic um, and... Unlike Lessons in Chemistry, the chemistry between Jacob Anderson and Sam Reed was really on point and you could believe why Louis wanted to be a vampire. Not sure if I'm going to continue with this. You know, again, this isn't my sort of thing, but I was really impressed by this. Probably of the four shows we watched, probably my favourite. And it's the one that sort of certainly captivated me the most. What about you, Dawn? I agree. I think so much of it hangs on Jacob Anderson and, and, and he carries it off. He really is somebody you want to spend time with and get to know his, his inner workings. And he, he, he does a believable difference in time. This young man who's desperately trying to be taken seriously as the business, as more than just, oh, you're just a businessman. He wants to be taken seriously as a man. Then the, the current person we see now who has this hindsight of a hundred years and the things he's gone through and we see that he's you know no longer eating humans he has animal blood and there's lots of intrigue and questions that are left hanging of what happened in their first meeting and, and with with Malloy and how has he come to this stage in his life he wants to um, recount his, his story and where is Lestat and I mean, if you, if you know the book, you do know some of these answers, but it's done in such a way that it really makes you want to find out the answers in this particular format and with these versions of the character. It had a warmth about it, that, and I think that's from Jacob Anderson. And as you see, his chemistry with Sam Reed is very good, and you can see how instantly that it's going to be a toxic but addictive relationship that they keep coming back to but they has as underlining deep problems which obviously is a very a very modern thing told through the vampire mm. but the, but the framing of it with with racism and the prejudice against homosexuals and all, all of those issues added into it I think gives it an extra layer engaging is the word that I thought you know I just thought yeah I want to see this so I definitely think I'll watch the rest of this season and I know that it's coming back very soon on AMC in America. So Yeah. Michael's back with us. Uh, we'll end with his uh, thoughts on Interview of the Vampire. He says, considering the podcast I run, I hate most vampire-related things. He says, I find them too naff or over the top. Some of his co-hosts from his podcast spoke to love this. So he's been looking forward to see what the hype is. Firstly, the positives, the performances are very strong. And it, unlike the film doesn't cower away from the homosexuality. That said, I messaged a co-host after seeing episode one and asked if it gets more exciting. Lots of dialogue, lots of details to go on, but I felt very cold about it all. If it turns up the pace and gets bloodier and sexier, then it has the potential <laughs> to win me over. 
<laughs> but yeah, so as I say, season one is all up there now on uh, the iPlayer, or I believe they're doing double bills on a, a Thursday night on BBC Two. Uh, but yeah, that's us for today. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, Dawn, quickly, where can we find you on the interweb? Are you still on Twitter? I'm still on Twitter. I keep saying I'm going to leave, but there's too many people I like there. Um, I am on Twitter at DawnGlenn2, and I'm on Instagram and threads as Oshu, I-K-K-L-E-O-S-U. Yeah, we're thecustardtv.com, at LukeCustardTV for the website, at Bites for me, at CustardTVPod uh, for the podcast. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Please follow us there. It's the Custard TV. That is also uh, one of Dawn's many projects. Uh, or you can email us, CustardTVReviews at gmail.com. Uh, next week, we have got uh, the return of what we do in the shadows and new Netflix crime drama, Bodies, starring Stephen Graham. But until then, uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.